Hello, Texans. Welcome to the podcast. Before we go anywhere, don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you can subscribe to this. However, just do it. What a special one we have for you. Robert Brazil, Dr. Doom, was Lawrence Taylor before Lawrence Taylor. In fact, he talks about Lawrence Taylor in this visit as he ushers in the Texas Bowl Gridiron Legends class for the Tax Act Texas Bowl, which is December 27th at NRG Stadium. Also, Robert Woods, Johnny and I caught up with him this week to talk about what's going on with the team heading into the New Orleans game. And Saints play-by-play man Mike Haas joins us as well. All right, let's get into this with Robert Woods first. Wide receiver for your Houston Texans, as John Harris and I visited with him earlier in the week. Thanks so much for joining us, Robert. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you being here. I know it was a tough loss against Atlanta. What were some of the takeaways you had from the game? I know you guys want to finish the drives and not settle for field goals. Thanks to Kaimi for making them. But mm-hmm. how did you see the game overall? Uh, just a little bit of uh, what we were talking about. I feel like our first two weeks about um, getting backed up in the red zone and penalties. Um, I feel like we got down there a couple times and – think it was penalties or having bad bad first downs um losing with negative yards and uh it just kind of you know puts the drive uh, at a disadvantage now with second and 15 second and 13 and uh it's hard when you're playing against a good defense and good team you you need to capitalize on all those get the points when you can and um you see uh what happened at the end um just um giving them a, a chance to come back with enough time not enough points on the offensive side but we saw a team that, that played all four quarters and battled, um, found a way to get turnovers on defense, and uh, just uh, just got to finish out and, and close it. Mm-hmm. What was the last time, Robert, you played defensive back? You got to go back uh, to high school? A, a week in college. A week in college. A week in college? A week in college. I almost played uh, nickelback. Um, really? Yeah. Well, you played DB on that ball yesterday. <laughs> I mean, you didn't get a pass breakup for that one, but when did you know, uh oh, this one's in trouble? I might have to make a defensive back play on it to throw that bait's almost picked off. Um, yeah, just time I just run across the middle, um, feeling like it was a for for a good safety who'd be there was, who who Bates is, was yeah. feeling like he'll be able to make a play, it was hanging in the air, but um, still just attacked it like normal. Um, didn't realize until I went for the ball and saw another set of hands. Yeah. Trying to go for the ball, and I was just trying to just rip it away and grab it. Um, and even even after that, I think we both hit the ground. I still went to grab him just to confirm, but uh, just just went after the ball, just yep. like it was mine. Robert Woods yep. joining us. It looks like it was a game where you talked about it not being able to score at certain moments earlier, but. When you guys got that go-ahead score at the end of the game, you needed a drive, and you got the drive. What does that say about the offense and looking forward from there? Uh, this offense is going to battle, and uh, we're going to be able to just do do what we need to do and execute the win. Um, I know we were we were down, but we still were able to run the ball very well and get down there at the same time, opened up a little bit of the passing game, and um, really just executed and played well together. Um, that last drive and kind of that last touchdown was, I feel like, a huge key um, just of players playing together and playing well um, in that huddle, CJ, and, and a lot of the guys being able to communicate and kind of anticipate what the defense was going to do. And uh, and it just happened to play out like that. And, and that was one that we were really excited uh, as an offense because we kind of – studied we we spoke about it and it happened and it was just like we talked about it and everybody was able to share that moment as a 
a team and working together to f- what we thought was the the to seal it off. But uh, it's um, it just shows that this team is going to play together, battle um, throughout through a whole game, and um, this team is going to be a problem. As a receiver, I would imagine. You can get helmet stickers for a lot of things. I wish they gave helmet stickers again. That yeah, was, I, would, I like cool. those. That'd be cool. Nice. Um, you get those helmet stickers. Do you get helmet stickers for pancakes? Because you, got, I think you would, got would one. I, yeah, yesterday. I, I would. Uh, we would you would have got one stickers. for yesterday yeah, for sure. Yeah. What is it, Robert? And and I go back. I listened to a podcast um, this off season about Jordan Rodriguez from the Athletic, and it was called the Play Callers, and they were talking about McVay's offense when he first got to the Rams, and said one of the things that really changed his offense was you and Cooper Cup and how you guys attacked run blocking. A lot of receivers are like, man, you know, I'm just going to go out there and put a hand on somebody. You go out there to, to literally pancake somebody like you did yesterday. Where does that where does that come from? And how much kind of studying do you do from the run game standpoint as opposed to the pass game standpoint? Yeah, first off, I think it's uh, me and Cooper, our thing was like we didn't want to come off the field. Um we wanted to stay on the field as much as we can and kind of we 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 were saying we wanted to be able to run the ball in 11 personnel. We didn't need to have that extra tight end right there because we mm-hmm. can handle a DN or a linebacker. And uh, with that, that allowed more of a passing threat as well. Um, but I feel like it's uh, it's just it's just want to. Um, you can see it in the defender's eyes. Sometime um, if they if they're want to turn it down or not turn it down, but just will want to want to block for my teammate and get them in the end zone. And uh, I don't know, it's it's fun, it's fun getting yeah. the guy knocking him down, throwing him around. And um, especially when you look back and and nine other teammates are doing the same thing, um, it's, it's it's pretty fun. Robert Woods joining us on Texans Radio. Tank Dell left the game late in the first half, made a big catch to help you get into field goal range. What was it like being out there without Tank? How did that affect things? And what about the kind of job he's doing overall so far? I know he's in the protocol right now or whatever, but we want to want him back as soon as possible. What has he done so far in your eyes to progress as a rookie? Um, been a key contributor for this offense and, and this team, being able to make plays on, on punt return, and uh, on the offensive side, uh, especially early on this year, made some key plays. But uh, I feel like these these past games, um, he hasn't had the big the big games, but he had very critical plays and critical moments mm-hmm. to to help this team and his offense continue our drives. And um, for a rookie to be reliable um, is, is super huge. Um, to be a, to have him out there um, is key for our offense to be able to get this thing going. Um, we were without him um, the whole second half. Uh, Metch played well, stepped up, and um, Xavier did as well uh, a little bit in the second quarter and in the third. But uh, just just asking our guys to to, to make plays. Um, like I always say, it, it shouldn't be a drop off. We never want to have a drop off if guys get injured or miss um, a few plays. Um, we want to have that same level of standard at the receiver position. Robert, a play that'll get lost a little bit because of the throw that CJ made to Dalton for the touchdown. But was your crossing route a few plays before that that got the first down? Can you take us through what happened on that play and got you free to make that big catch for the first down? Yeah, our uh, we were trying to get access uh, with the motion, which is uh, just get a little uh, not allow a press um, corner. Right. Um, so we end up motioning myself to the other side and. Uh, AJ Terrell actually came and was flying down to press it. Yeah. 
And uh, it's just like, all right, he's going to give us, like, the hardest the hardest look possible. And he's, like, making sure he trying to um, press me up and front me up. And I feel like it was just a, a great call in a, in a man situation, being able to call it, being able to get a good release and just run away from him um, at that time. Uh, found CJ rolling out the pocket, had some space, and be able to keep our drive going. Um, I felt like to build a little bit of momentum, too, for our, for our offense and uh, – from then, just um, just finding Dalton in the back of the end zone. Because earlier on the play that you knocked down, Bates was there when you ran a, a similar Another crosser, route. Yeah. But did you know because of the the feeling you had of Terrell? Do you knew it was man that you knew nobody was going to be over there? Knew, yeah, knew it was uh, man. I felt like actually on the crosser it might have been man as well, and he just ended up cutting it. Right. But uh, two different uh, depths of routes. Gotcha. Um, like I said, being able to not be in a, a second and long or third and long, we don't have to be right. have to run right, as right. far. But uh, just being able to get a, a low intermediate route, um, not having to mess with uh, Bates back there, and um, just being able to run away from uh, Mayjay. Robert Woods with us. Robert, this is a young team. You've been around a while, though. So what can these young guys learn about this league right now? Coming off a loss, shaking it off, getting ready for the next one, or shaking off a win even like last week just to get ready week to week and be at your best at noon on a Sunday? Yeah, I feel like uh, – I don't know. I hope everybody can, can hear this, or I've got to spread this to the team. But just um, it's the NFL. I mean, everybody is good. Um, every team is good. Every team is locked in throughout the week and, and preparing just as we are, and having the same prep talk from their coach <laughs> mm-hmm. the night before. Um, the difference is is just the consistency. The teams who show up week in and week out, who have the same mindset of Last week didn't matter. The last play didn't matter. This play and this, my assignment is the most important thing in the world right now mm-hmm. um, to get done, to have that mindset every single play and every single game, every single practice. I feel like uh, is this is kind of what we need. I feel like for this young this young team, it's just like yeah, we're we're a good team, but we're I feel like we haven't been consistent. We've shown. Uh, the first two weeks, okay, they're, they have flashes, but we didn't win. And then we won the next two, and it's like, okay, this team's actually good. They could do something. And this past week, we had some spurts on offense and some spurts on defense, and then we look good closing the game, but it's like it's the consistency. You know, we have to play throughout the whole game, um, consistent brand of football, and uh, that's how we be able to make it to the playoffs and these, these extra games is being a consistent football team. Um, every single day. Robert, this is a team you face on Sunday. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a controversial game that your team once <laughs> played against them in an <laughs> NFC championship. I don't remember. I remember. Yeah, 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 I'm sure you don't. Um, but it's also a team that's been together for a while. So yeah. at some point, you face this Saint squad, you know, with Lattimore back there and, you know, the, the Honey Badgers back there with Tyron. I know you haven't gone too far into the Saints, but there are some guys that are on that squad that you guys have faced before and you probably faced the Saints before, have you not? Yeah, this is also uh because of that game, I, I say my favorite place to play. Um, the atmosphere is amazing. But um their their players, their they I think their players feed off of their their New Orleans energy, the crowd. They come in there, they're hungry, they're yeah. they have an attitude when they play, and um their offense is is high power, wanna score, you got uh Chris on the outside. Um, yep. I haven't seen if, if Mike Thomas is, is back in action, right, but, um, you know, he's back this year. And um, um, Kamara's been doing his thing. Um, so it's like you know this offense has been 
together, been doing the same thing, being able to keep drives and get high points. And then their defense um, playing consistent uh, football, seeing Honey Badger with a yep. – with a was it fumble or interception return, mm-hmm. still making plays uh, at a high level. So he's their leader, and I feel like in Lattimore on the outside, I feel like their their mm-hmm. key guys have been holding this team together and always been the team to reckon with. And um, it's going to be a dogfight this Sunday yeah. coming into Houston. All right, Robert, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck this week. Thank you. Appreciate it. Here's Johnny and I visiting with Robert Woods. Now let's get into it with Robert Brazil, who was here on Monday as he talked about the Tax Act Texas Bowl Gridiron Legends class. Let's listen in. And Robert Brazil, known as Dr. Doom. Brazil is 240 pounds of pure football player. Brazil's calling card is his quickness. More often than not, he is as swift as any player on the field. He's the sort of player who's not satisfied merely with doing his best. He wants to be the best, and he probably is. Joining us now in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, it's Robert Brazil, Texas gridiron legend, just announced. How's it going? Doing great, man. It's always a pleasure to be back in Houston. This is where I got my start at. This is the only home that I uh, lived here for years during my professional career. And to be back for the Texan legend is an honor to see another class go in. You know, this Bruce Matthews guy is always following me. Or <laughs> yeah. I'm following him. This yeah. guy played 19 years, Ooh. man. And the thing about it, he broke my record. He didn't miss a game, and I didn't miss a game. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. You know, but yeah, but I, thought about, I thought about that yesterday because we were in Atlanta, and they announced at some point that Bruce's son, Jake, has played 100 50 straight games or something like that on top of what Bruce did. Uh So how many did you play in a row? 10 years. I think it was 175, 76. Never missed a snap. Never Mm. missed a snap. Now, you could have gone on longer, right? Yes, but, you know, I made the idea that I need to retire. It's a long story. We won't get into that. That's (laughs) another part of me that I don't think you still want to hear it today. (laughs) Okay. So how long did it take, Robert, to – if, don't get into that story, but how long did it take for the desire to want to continue to play, kind of leave at some point? Because guys retire and they're like, man, I think I can still play. I think I can still play. How long did it take for it to be like, you know what? I'm good. I, my career was great. I'm all set. For me, it happened at the Hall of Fame game. You know, uh, I was in my 11th year mm-hmm. and I had never missed a game, started every game for the Houston Oilers. And two hours before the game, I get a. Kenny Houston walks to me and tells me the head coach wants to talk to me. And I say, whoa, what's going on in my head? They never mentioned it. So I go to him, and he told me that he's going to start the younger guys. Oh. And I looked at Hugh Cameron, and I said, as of right now, Robert Brazil is going to retire. Right, right. That was <laughs> so it. that was my ending of it. And I had to make a decision for me. You know, I had lost a wife and everything mm-hmm. during that time. Yeah. And so – I think I made the right decision for me, but it took too long for me to get into Pro Football yeah. Hall of Fame. I got scared out yeah. there waiting. <laughs> <laughs> but you got in. But yeah, you, I did. your resume was great enough to yeah, get in. I had, you know, but the thing about it, I always wanted to play against Lawrence Taylor, and he was mm. also in that same game. Yeah, yeah. And me and him had talked before that game. I said, Lawrence, I think it's time for us to show who's going to be the better linebacker for him. And so I never got my shot. Yeah. Oh, that would have been so nice, too. Been sweet. We're still friends. 
And you look, you are. That's good. Yes. And you look back, and sacks were not an official statistic till what true. eighty-two, right? That's so true. that didn't help you either, as far as although you made all those pro all pros, you're in the Hall of Fame. So I guess it didn't really hurt. But that must have been kind of strange when oh. Now you tell me that. Now you tell me that, you get counting my sex. <laughs> I said, "What? About, let's go back to and pull those films up." Yeah. So Lawrence, uh, you know, he always he was I was his idol to the mm -hmm. point that he wanted to meet me. We both had the same agent, Jerry Argovich and Gene oh, Burns okay. during that time, and he would not sign until I went to his college to sit down for him to bust my brains for three hours about football, and we sit there and laugh and talk. And he took Robert Brazil game to another level. Mm. Honestly, you know, they can say about a lot of junkyard dog, but he was really a junkyard dog when it came to playing outside football. Yeah, he definitely linebacker. was. So, Robert, I want to go to the moment that you find out that you've made the Hall of Fame. When you get that call, you get that knock. What was that like? You got to think about it. it took 29 years right. and every other year I was forgetting. Um, you know, I get to say the year in this final year in this. Yeah. But when they called me, I cried, I mean, yeah. you know, because I wanted this so much. We had been through so much that year. My dad had been diagnosed for cancer, right. mm. and I'm saying, ah, what am I going to do? I don't have bomb to present me. I don't have none of my coaches here that really paid a big, a big part of me. So I took it to, to I mean, just overwhelmed me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so, but we validated everything that I had right. waited so long for. And to not to show some emotion, I don't think I would have, I can feel like I feel today behind it. Yeah. Robert Brazil joining us on Texans Radio, Texas gridiron legend in the current class, the new class, along with Bruce Matthews and others. Robert, I wanted to go here because indulge me, tougher to tackle. <laughs> I want to do this. Okay. All right. So OJ Simpson or Franco Harris, or Walter Payton. You probably didn't have too many meetups with Walter because he's in the NFC. I had four years of practice against him every yeah, day. Every day. Every day and had to sleep in the same room. So because I, of the it, college it, it situation at Jackson it, State. I know yeah. how to tech with Walter better than anybody in this world. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. But as a pro, how many times did you guys see each other? Uh, I gave him 31. I don't know the exact number, but they came here and we played Houston. And I mm -hmm. had I studied Walter and I knew Walter. And I got my defense ready for Walter. And I think he got close to 33. I said, I ain't going to let you get 34 today. So okay. maybe 30. Somewhere in there he got. He was going for the, to break the record, OJ's record. Okay. And I, I, I know he was going to try to get it against me. <laughs> and he knew I was going to not let him happen. So he would not speak to me after the game. Really? That's He's that competitive? That's the, that's, the, that's the competitive we had. My wife had to take me by the hand and take me up on the bus and say, Speak to Walter, make him feel better. And <laughs> before he leaves, leave Houston, going back to Chicago with that, that meanness. He's going to get you back somewhere or another. Yeah. Okay, to Mark's question, OJ or Franco, tougher to tackle? Neither one. Both Neither of the sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do quarterbacks. Let's do quarterbacks. How many times did you see Tarkenton? Because he must have been tough if you saw him. No. No? I didn't. We – my – Hardest one was I would think would have been Roger the Dodger. Yeah, yep. I did him. Okay. Another sandwich. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Kenny Anderson. I can mm. tell you how I tackled him one time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
It was fun, man. It was very competitive. And still, I think Ken Anderson is deserving to be in the Hall of Fame, and he's not there yet. So Outstanding quarterback, yeah. no doubt, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. Yeah, he was – when you start going through those names, obviously Roger Staubach was a different one because he's kind of like today's quarterbacks. They're moving all over the place. He was. But you were straight drop-back passers back then, Robert. Did you – was it more fun to go against those guys because you knew exactly where they were going to be so you could sack them? Or was it more of a challenge to go find Roger Staubach chasing around over the field and you finally you sack him after chasing him a little bit? I don't care who was that quarterback. I want them to know in two and a half seconds they need to know where Robert Brazil at because right. I'm coming mm-hmm. at you. Right. So mm-hmm. I didn't care who it was. So it was, it was more fun for me to get off in my game right. and more or less into their game. I always was so – ready to show them what I had to bring to the table. Right. All right, we watch practice now, Robert, and you're really not bringing people to the ground. You're not really tackling them at training camp and certainly not in regular season practice. It's more of a wrap-up or thud or whatever they call it. But back in the day, you and Earl going at it in practice, how was that facing Earl Campbell when the Oilers practiced and how physical would it get, especially in the early summer training camp times? How was that? When, when Earl first got here, you know, I was used to walk the first of all, 120 miles an hour every yeah. play. We got here and I went and hit Earl. Bomb blew his whistle and said, Robert, called me and Earl over. I said, Coach, what's wrong? He said, Robert. I said, what, Coach? He said, the Houston Oilers is not on our schedule. <laughs> <laughs> if you hurt Earl, who's going to pay for yeah. I said, Coach, how am I going to keep his game together and my game together? He said, Rob, I'm going to say this again. The Houston Oilers is not on our schedule. Yep. And he right. cut out the – he cut it out. Okay. Yes. Wow. All Robert, right. I want to ask you, and I know this gets brought up a lot, about the Love Your Blue era. What was this town like? when you guys were in that run, especially 78, 79, when you're playing the championship games against Pittsburgh, games against Pittsburgh, the Monday night game against Miami, mm-hmm. when that was really kind of the love you blue era, really kind of kicking off. What was that really like for a player during that time to be here during that era? For me, it was to try to win every game in the Astrodome. And then when we went off to win every game, we had finally won our fans. Yeah. When I got here, it was nothing but Cowboy fans. Yeah. And I couldn't understand that. Mm. People was cheering for Dallas, and I'm saying, I'm, Yo, you live here in Houston. I said, I know we could stop this. All we got to do is start winning, and mm-hmm. we'll get our fans. And when we got our fans, man, let me tell you something. I still get fan mail, telephone calls. I can't ride around in Houston now without somebody saying, I remember the Love You Blue. Right. I went shopping with a couple of guys today, and a guy said, that's Robert Brazil. And I am 71 years old, and somebody can still recognize me. Yeah. And when I'm walking through the gallery saying, that's Robert Brazil, that feeling. Yeah. And I'd still say this, we owe them a championship. And the championship not going to have to come from the Texas, because we're gone. Yeah. Know what I mean, it's no more use all this here. I mean, we're in the Tennessee, we're Tennessee Titans now, and we've mm-hmm. been adapted by those. But, these fans here are so large. So I'm going to tell Coach, all he got to do is keep winning. And he got a good team here. Yeah. I've seen some great things with the Texans, y'all. Mm-hmm. I mean, that little quarterback, mm, I told Coach I had a signing bonus left. You <laughs> 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 yep. didn't mention anything about playing, just a signing I, bonus. Just a signing <laughs> bonus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so John McClain announcing the Texas gridiron class. 
What does John McClain mean to you and mean to guys who have played in this town for a long time and people who have made it or not to the Hall of Fame? But John McClain, because we have a lot of people moving into the city and they discover who John McClain is. Who is John McClain? Tell us what John McClain means to you. John McClain, you know, when we was all growing up, I know y'all had what we call some world book encyclopedias. Yeah. I describe John as the world book encyclopedia. Now he's a great Twitter. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but to, because there's other people I think that's deserving, man, to go into the Hall of Fame. And these young guys don't know him. And you can't promote him. John McClain sold Robert Brazil to get to the Hall of Fame. He bought me out of the woodwork. He had some, some you know, I put some stuff in the in the cake that he needed. Yeah. <laughs> All he had to do was put me in the oven and bake right. me. Yeah. But he's knowledgeable of the name, the general. Mm-hmm. He's knowledgeable of that name, and I owe him. And I will always, John, the only person in the media has probably been invited to my house to sleep in my bed. Without my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, as you mentioned, you mentioned Ken Anderson about going into the Hall of Fame. Is there a player that you played against that you feel like, you know what, I think that, or played with, that you feel like that guy I think should have gone into the Hall of Fame or should go into the Hall of Fame? That's numerous, numerous of players. Yeah. Mm. I think about the L.C. Greenwoods. Yeah. Mm. Think about the Randy Gratishaws. Yeah. I mean, mm. I think about the uh, Tom Jacksons. I think about Isaac Curtis. I think about uh, just in my conference, there's yeah, three yeah. or four people that hadn't yeah. been touched yet and the name hadn't been brought up. And I know how they feel. I was there, man. I, mm-hmm. I was there waiting with every step that you had, that I had, and it had to become, it's, it's a hard decision for the people that's trying to make that decision. Yep. And when you don't have people, like we said, John McClain in these other cities, Right. Some of these guys gonna go underwash or non unheard yeah. or they won't get the opportunity yep. to be in the you know, ain't but three hundred and seventy one. And y'all sitting with Hall of Fame of three twelve. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. And that's an honor. That's well an we're honor very for me. we're no, very glad you're in and we're yep. very glad you're a Texas gridiron legend. Thank you so much for <laughs> joining you. us, Robert. Thank you. Thank y'all for having me. Anything I can do for you, all you gotta do is call me, baby. All right. I love Houston. Man, I could talk with Robert Brazil and get legend stories all day long. All right. Mike Haas does the play-by-play for the New Orleans Saints. What does he have to say about this week's game and about his franchise and about the Patriots, too, who the Saints just faced? Mike, great to have you on. Tell me first, the Saints' performance against the Patriots, was that the Saints rounding into form, what they really can be, or was it a bad day for New England or a combination of things? How do you see it? Yeah, I got to believe it's it's the latter. I mean, the Saints played well, and they dictated the game. They dictated uh, putting points on the board first, and then, yes, it did unravel for a, a struggling New England team. But this is kind of the team that we went to training camp thinking about, uh, and it's really the first time that we've seen it. But this is really the first time, if you, you know, the first game back for Alvin and Tampa, he hadn't played since January of this year, really played. So I I feel like it's a combination of both, but this is kind of the team that we thought we would have. Now, you're not going to put 34 up each week, but you get that kind of defensive effort with just a solid offensive effort, and especially in the red zone. That's the difference in the game. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, this is what we thought would happen. All right, Mike, let's go over some of the weapons that the Saints have because – I'm losing a little sleep over this one. 
First of all, our buddy Derek Carr, who was here as a little kid when the Texans started out as David's little brother. And I've told many stories on the air about playing catch with Derek after practice when he was in sixth grade and seventh grade and stuff like that. Great guy. What does he bring into the table for the Saints offense? You know, he brings the most important thing, which is stability, even through the shoulder injury. So, you know, we, we knew post Drew Brees would be difficult. So there was this battle between Jameis and Taysom year one. That Jameis won, but then gets hurt, and then they played four quarterbacks in 21. 22, it was Jameis's job, loses, gets hurt. Then it's your backup, Andy Dalton, for 14 games. So that, that was never – none of that was ever the plan. Uh, and so he brings stability, you know, even through that injury and, you know, experience. And I think it's only going to get better. He's, he, he loves this offense. This offense thrives on a quarterback with experience who can make quick decisions, good decisions at the line. Uh, and certainly he learned a lot of that from John Gruden. That's what made Drew so special. The ability to pull out of plays at the line. And you know, I can pull out of plays at the line, but can I pull out of the plays and go into the right one? That's the difference. Mm -hmm. And so he, he brings, I think we're just, hopefully, <laughs> I say this, hopefully just beginning to see some of the offensive progression that he brings because he's just, he hasn't played with these guys. This is, you know, third game with Alvin coming up uh, and, and, and to have Alvin and Mike and Shahid and Olave uh, and hopefully get some tight ends back back into this scene. So I, I, I hope it's just the next step in an evolution. Mike Haas, voice of the Saints, joining us on Texans Radio. Mike, other than Derek, who is the most important offensive player for this team, in your opinion, right now and maybe into the rest of the season? Well, it's Alvin Kamara, without question. I mean, you know, Against New England, it'll never, it won't show up in any numbers. It's not going to, not going to be a stat anybody talked about. But if the Saints ran the ball on first down probably, I don't know, 75, 80% of the time. And they weren't gash runs. They weren't 10, 12, but they were five yards, four yards, six yards. And that's something they've not been able to do. And when you do that and you're second and four or second and five, now the swing pass to Kendra Miller or the swing pass to, to, to Alvin makes the biggest difference. So his ability to run the ball between the tackles, not going wide, but between the tackles and have positive yardage uh, consistently, I mean, he's the difference. He, he's, he's such a difference maker because you got to account for him. And once you have to start accounting for Alvin, now all of a sudden, well, who's accounting for Taysom? Who's accounting for Mike Thomas? Who's accounting for Olave? It makes the whole team that much better. But it begins, well, I mean, it begins with Derek, but it begins in my mind with Alvin Kamara. Mike, is the Pete Carmichael offense the Sean Payton offense, or has it changed at all? I know the personnel adjusts a bit, especially when you get a different quarterback in there, but tell me about that. Yeah, I think it's the foundation is the, the Sean Payton offense. I mean, obviously, you know, Pete Carmichael comes in with Drew Brees in 06. You know, without Drew Brees, there is no Pete Carmichael here. And it, they worked together with Sean. He called plays at different times. But I do believe the foundation of the offense is Sean. But Pete's had it now really since the back half of, of 21. Uh, so I, I feel like you're going to start seeing more of, of, of him. I, I don't know that it'll look any different because I believe the foundational points are, are there. That it's a you know quick get to quarterback, short drop, quick release. You know, to go from Drew and Derek, that's a quarterback that's not – 
escaping the pocket a whole bunch can can but doesn't want to take the hit so i think foundationally short passes good running game and have the ability to go deep is what they want to do so yeah it's it's a combination but i think this past week man it was rough in new orleans i mean they were you thought the team was 0 and 10 uh Mm. people were just pitchforks everybody's got to go i'm like they're they're two and two They've only had two starts better than this since 2013. <laughs> so yeah. it was just, you know, it was, it was tough. And I think he came out of it and, you know, again, it's one game. You got to be able to sustain it, but it was a very important game just for everyone's psyche. Mike Haas, voice of the saints joining us. So tell me on defense, we know about some of the big names. We know about Jordan. We know about Tyron Matthew, who was here for a year in 2018 for the Houston Texans, Lattimore. But give me a name or two that just doesn't get the publicity that maybe deserves more notoriety on this Saints defense, which is fourth in the league. Uh, Carl Granderson is by far the tops. He doesn't, you know, he's not, doesn't show up on anybody's pregame report, you know, when we're talking about Mm -hmm. it. But you do a postgame report, yeah, he's the guy. And And it's often in plays, where he doesn't will get credit. He's the guy on Tyron's uh, pick six. It's Granderson's pressure that that causes the throw, right? And, and so you get kind of lost in that. But he had, a, I think, a sack and a half, uh, three tackles, three tackles for a loss. The quarterback uh, hit. He is the guy. And there are times when Carl Granderson is out there and he's, he's just un, he's unstoppable. He's unblockable. And it's not every game the consistency factor, but man, there are times he's just, he's a beast. And then, you know, you you can't say enough about Demario Davis, who again, just does his job kind of quietly. They run a lot of two linebackers set with he and Pete Warner, but to me, Carl Granderson, maybe a Malcolm Roach and a Demario Davis and Pete Warner uh, are just, man, they're just beasts out there. Mike, you've been in New Orleans a long time. So you tell me, and you mentioned it last week, the way people were feeling about the Saints early on in the season. They blow out the Patriots. But is this sort of an uneasy time in Saints history because you go through all that success with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, even before that, Hazlitt winning the playoff game in 2000. So you had 15, 20 years of relative success after all those years of struggling. Is this sort of an uneasy time as you try to reestablish for the future? I don't you know, I think 22, 21 and 22 were kind of that time. And they weren't, you know, 21 wasn't bad. They finished nine and eight and really should have made the playoffs. Uh, so they've kind of been in this tweener situation, whereas Sean leaves, leaves a pretty good football team, but, you know, you've got no Drew Brees. Well, you know, guess what? Look at New England. You know, find any team that's had a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees that survives, right? But the team was good. So it was so good that you couldn't blow it up in 21 and 22 or 23. You're like, well, we're not, we're, we're, we have good people, good defense, good offensive people in a, in a lot of positions, number one picks almost across the offensive line. So they've, they've, they've since, I don't know, 2016, they've been in a win now mentality and they can't seem to get out of it. Right. Because it's a good mm-hmm. football team. So I think they've passed, that kind of, you know, time post-Drew. Now I think it's about building something without probably having to, to tear it up because they're, they've been enormously 
good in free agency, good in draft. And, you know, Derek Carr, you know, even at, at, with his you know experience and age, I think is the right guy for the job. So, you know, I, I feel like they're, they're beyond it. It's about, it's about building right now with a team that's good. It's, they're, they're still on the win net. Whereas I think New England, I think New England's in a, we're going to blow it up. We almost got to blow it up. How do you not yeah. blow it up? Right. You know, because if Mac Jones is your answer, then you maybe, you know, you've got to blow it up. And the Saints are just not like that. They just aren't. I was going to ask you about New England because the whole league is fascinated with what they're going through because of how successful they've been and where they are now. And I think a lot of people are getting pleasure out of that. But whatever the case may be, you just watch them up close and personal. What do you think they're going through? It's not just the quarterback, perhaps, or is it all about the quarterback? What is your opinion after doing the game with New Orleans at New England? Well, they got a they got a fan base much like New Orleans. Obviously, they're spoiled rotten. They don't understand. They don't. They don't understand what this world is like. Every other team has lived for twenty years, and so they are ready to pounce. They were quiet. You know, they kind of wanted to give us a reason to get in the game, but give us a reason to boo, and we'll be right there as well. And so, it's tough. Now you lose Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez the week before. I mean, those are your top two defenders. Period. Mm-hmm. But offensively, it's it begins with Mac Jones. I mean, he's had he's had four pick sixes and a strip fumble for he's responsible for five defensive touchdowns. And I say he, right? So he threw mm-hmm. he's thrown four pick sixes in two, in, 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 in since his mm-hmm. in his career. That's how many Tom Brady threw in his career at Gillette Stadium, dating back to two thousand two. So. <laughs> And, and I think the, the, the biggest concern they have going forward is Belichick, right? So Belichick's at 299. He wants to pass Don Shula at 328. That's the goal, so to speak. Now, no, he's not said that publicly. But, and you're going in your head, all right, well, all right, no problem. Well, now think about it. He was started the year at 298. That means he's got to average 10 wins a year for three years to tie. Well, I, don't, I don't know that Kraft's got that kind of, you know, disciplined to win because he ain't winning 10 games a year for three years so it's going to take him six years yeah i don't know so i it's like it's decision time up there uh with, with what they're going to do but they're 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 living we understand their world you go post tom brady and you go well wait we didn't win 38 10 what are we doing here <laughs> we've been there people it's tough Mike Haas, Voice of the Saints, joining us. A couple more for you, Mike. The NFC South Texans are in a four-game stretch right now where they are playing the NFC South teams. Just played Atlanta. You haven't seen Atlanta yet this year, but what do you make of the division? And I saw what happened with Tampa Bay and the Saints. How good is Tampa Bay? They'll be here at NRG Stadium a bit later on. You know, it's it's funny because we're in, we are in an AFC four-game stretch right now. You know, we go New England, Houston. Uh, Jacksonville on a short week than Indianapolis. So we are making our trip through uh, the AFC as well. Tampa is not as good as we made them. But if you give Baker Mayfield time, one, he gains confidence, which, which the Saints gave him too much, way too much time. And then if you put pressure on him hard on the outside and give him running lanes, he will beat you. And quite frankly, the Saints were 0-3 in the, in the red zone. So those field goals turn into touchdowns. That's 21 points. That's a yeah. different ball game. And, but they didn't. And so, but in New England, they did turn into touchdowns, and it was 21 points. The, that's, that is the difference in the game. So Tampa's not as good as, as, as probably we made them look. Atlanta is troublesome. 
as you as you can see, they they can they can do a lot of things. They always somehow either find a way to win, like they did this past week, or they will somehow find a way, unbelievably, to lose. So they're going to be up and down. Carolina is is struggling, but he, I mean, I, I've been enormously impressed with you guys. I mean, doing what you're doing with, with CJ, I mean, 186 attempts, no picks. Uh, I guess we'll find out today a little bit more about Tank Dell and his situation. Um, but you know, it, it's it, this is an this October is where things will really kind of shape up. But the NFC South overall clearly better than last year, and clearly better than anybody thought they would be this year. We'll see where things go. Well, except for Carolina, maybe, but I don't know what people thought right. they were going to be like. They're zero and yeah. five, and you played them. The Saints did. And won twenty to seventeen. What'd you make of Bryce Young? The Texans will be there soon enough after the bye. You know, he's he's kind of he I think he's a lot like CJ Stroud. They both are playing the, the game is not bigger than them. He didn't have a pick against us. He runs when he, he has to. He doesn't run uh, you know, because he wants to. Uh, they're not a great team. Uh he he got he lost a fumble. Uh, that the Saints got. I mean, the Saints won the turnover battle. Uh, had a couple of big plays, but that was a that was a very close game. I mean, they punted to us. We had to be able to keep the ball for like four minutes in order to, to win the game, or we had to give it back to them. So that you know, I won't say they're better than their zero and five, but I believe that Bryce, you know, is about as expected. He, you know, I don't think you can you can look at their losses because they've been beaten pretty badly, except for our game. And they've played mm-hmm. tough teams. They played Detroit, uh, so you know it's they'll be it'll be interesting. They'll the, the, they can be a handful, but if you can get on top of them, man, they they've kind of they and when they have to get into a throw first mentality, that's that's not where they're going to be successful. Just like you All guys, right. let me look at CJ. CJ, what do you throw for? Forty-seven attempts, forty-four attempts, your first two games, and that's not that's not what you want, right? But if those thirty attempts the next two games, you win big. Yeah, still try to establish the ground game here, get it going, and they stick with it even when it's not working because it helps a lot of other things for them. But uh, it was tough in Atlanta, tough. They're a little bit more difficult yeah, than a, a lot of people loss. expect. Yeah, no, I think Atlanta's. A, I think Atlanta's a good football team. Just got better. Just picked up uh, wide receiver from the Rams. So I mean, they're they're troublesome. All right, Mike. Thanks for the time. Great stuff. We appreciate it, and we'll see you Sunday. All right, Mark. Thanks, pal. Mike Haas, play-by-play man for the New Orleans Saints. That's it for the pod. Have a great day. Texans Saints Sunday noon. Go Texans.